have your Bibles, um, open with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We actually started out uh, the beginning of the month in December following Jesus, but we looked at the life of Joseph. Last week we looked at following Jesus, but looking at what that meant for Mary. They were following Jesus, following that word. Well, today I want it to be looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus. And I wanted to read a couple Old Testament verses to remember that God has already been speaking throughout the Bible about the birth of his son before we get. Think about that. God was already speaking about it 700 years before it happened. So in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 7, this will probably be familiar to a, a lot of you. And it says this, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. You know, we looked last week, too, at the God, uh, Emmanuel, God with us. We know that Jesus's name, when it was said to Joseph in Mary, was Jehovah will save. Now we're noticing a different kind of name, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. But notice that the increase of his government and peace, there's no end. There's not another election in four years. There's not somebody, you know, we see dictators today that uh, get themselves in office for their entire life. Well, there's no end to this peace, and we see this prophesied between 740 and 760 B.C., Micah, uh, prophet Micah says this in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Another example, he says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephraim, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old and from everlasting. I wonder what people thought when they heard that prophetic word. A child is going to be born. A son is given. He's got a lot of names. Uh, something about Bethlehem. Something about his going forth was from beginning to end. That might not seem to make any sense. Well, Jesus said these words in John chapter 6, verse 38. He says, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Lord, we pray today in the reading of your word. And Lord, this month tends to be busy. We're, we all have things probably this week that we're thinking of. But Father, we settle ourselves to listen to your word. We set ourselves in alignment for the, the promises that you've spoken even over our families and even over us individually. Your word does not return to itself void. And we get in alignment with you today, Father. 
In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. So I want to read this verse in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. In fact, it's really the first few words uh, that stood out to me. The Apostle Paul is writing this, and he says this, But when the fullness of time had come. So I get this picture, much like that will happen when Jesus returns. We read uh, a few weeks ago in the book of Revelations that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of the world, or the plan was already in place before God spoke this world into existence and created Adam and Eve, that they would fall, that they would sin in the garden, and he went through with the plan anyways. And we read this in the fullness of time. So sometime in the, in the middle of heaven, God knew this was the day. This was the exact time. He prepared a way uh, from Zacharias speaking to him and his wife Elizabeth so that they would have John. He specifically in a dream spoke to Joseph and an angel, Gabriel, appeared to Mary. It was the fullness of time. She was going to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit and have a child. So the Apostle Paul says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. Born of a woman, born under the law. To redeem. Everybody say to redeem. To redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ in the fullness of time. That plan, in fact, a plan is not a good word. The purpose of God was enacted when we read that. So think about Jesus. Jesus is in heaven with God. In fact, we'll look at a couple references. And he's now going to have to go. And start as a baby in this ugly world system. No palace, no throne, no baby shower, right? Nothing of that nature. Really, when you think about it, Jesus knew that he was emptying himself, emptying himself of everything to come into this ugly world system at the fullness of time to be born in a very ugly, dirty place. And yet we read Luke chapter 1, verse 32. It says, he will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He'll be called great. Look where he was born. Great. Well, I want to pick this up in Luke chapter 2, and I want to read the story that is familiar uh, to a lot of us, but it's so important that we're not just reading this in December, that this is one of the things that God has, has spoken and placed in the Bible for us, because that fullness of time, he wants us to always remember that at the specific time in the specific place, he had his son come to us. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. And it came to pass in those days 
that a decree went out from God into all the world. Well, it doesn't say that, right? It just so happened that in this time, in this specific place, Caesar Augustus sends out a decree that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which was called, say it with me, Bethlehem. Prophesy to Micah 5.2. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. No room. You know, and I, I do tell a couple stories I know every year, and my kids, I think, are done listening to these stories in my life. But I tell them anyway, right? Just one of those things I do. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, does anybody get spanked and grounded on Christmas morning? Okay, you need, all right, good. All right, got some. So I was probably eight or nine years old, and it was the night that I was going to stay awake all night long and catch Santa or whoever it was that filled up the stockings. And I remember the fireplace was going, and I had a sleeping bag and a pillow, and I was trying to stay awake, and I know I fell asleep well before midnight, but when I woke up, I noticed three stockings, I have two other brothers, and they were bulging. And then my eyes started bulging. And so for some reason, at whatever age, eight or nine, I decided that I was going to take all of those three stockings and dump them all out, and I was going to choose what toys I wanted. I was going to put the good stuff in my stocking and the junk stuff in their stockings, right? That's Christmas morning. So I remember I had my back turned to where if somebody happened to walk in, uh, you know, I wouldn't have saw them. And I don't know if you ever went through this with maybe one of your parents, but have you ever sensed a presence behind you that was a person and you felt like they were looking at you in shock? And I remember turning around, there was my mom with her mouth wide open, like, do I have a young criminal? Like, what, you know, what, what is going on here? What are you doing? And so, I, you know, we learned early on, if you told the truth, you usually, you know, the, the severity of the punishment wasn't severe. If you lied, you got in big trouble. Anybody had that rule growing up, right? You just tell the truth. Well, Mom, I was, I was picking through and I was picking out the good toys for me, right? I got spanked and I got grounded on Christmas morning. I'm in my room and I can hear them going through their presents and everything out. That was, that was kind of neat. That was my, you know, my mistake. Not every, now, I pray that doesn't happen to you this Christmas right morning. You let whatever boxes are whatever. But that's not the Christmas story. It's not about Santa and the gifts. It's about Jesus. And I'm, I'm always impacted when I read that there was no room for them. That an innkeeper might have had his eyes on a pregnant lady possibly ready to deliver. And there was no room. No room. Well, this is prophetic. This, this is now he's got to be born in an animal feeding trough. You know, 
I'll clean out our dog's water. It's like the stuff that gets in the water bowls, the food. I mean, and our Lord and Savior was placed in an animal feeding trough. I mean, think about it. How dark of a place, how smelly of a place, how loud it might be. It really was an ugly situation to be born in. He would be born in a borrowed animal pen. He would be resurrected from a borrowed grave. He would leave everything from heaven for the opportunity to redeem back a life. I wanted to contrast it for just a minute. We won't look at it, but uh, look later at 1 Kings chapter 10 and then look at um, Revelation chapter 21 and 22. In 1 Kings chapter 10, we read about Solomon. It's actually the place in the Bible where the queen of Sheba had heard all of these reports about Solomon. And she wanted to come. She didn't believe it. She knew he had wise savings, but she wanted to see for herself what Solomon had. And so when she came, in fact, the Bible goes, the first thing she noticed was the spread of food that he had. The other thing that she noticed was the amount of servants and the servants were happy. They were excited to be served. Well, then the Bible says he had gold. He had apes walking around in the palace. Think about that. That's a little odd. Right? He had apes walking around in the palace. He had monkeys. He had peacocks, which we're used to. In fact, it says this in 1 Kings chapter 10, uh, verse 21. All of Solomon's drinking cups as well as the dishes of the palace were from the forest of Lebanon, were made of pure gold. I, I'm kind of thirsty. Could you get me a cup to drink? Oh, yeah, hold on here. Pure gold. Wow. Can, can I keep this? No. Pure gold plates. Everything's made of pure gold. In fact, it says this. Nothing was made from silver because silver was not valuable in Solomon's time. You read on, you'll find out they actually took the silver and threw it kind of like in a dump. They didn't use it. Well, the Queen of Sheba was blown away. It was not only just uh, what she had heard, but what she was eyewitness of. Well, we read Revelation. Do you know that the Bible doesn't give us a really great picture of everything in heaven that we'll see? Yet we read a few things that are important. That God will wipe away every tear. So we know that there's no sorrow. In fact, he ends with, it's the no mores. No more this, no more that. But we do read in Revelation a few things. We read about jewels. We read about pearls. We read about streets of gold. We read that there's nothing unclean. There's no one that does shameful things. There's no lies ever go to that city. We get that description. We read about a crystal river that comes through the throne. We read about the tree of life, but here's the best thing. The best thing about heaven is the very presence of God. The other thing is to come face to face with the Lamb of God, right, for eternity, the no mores. And yet Jesus stepped out of all of that to come into a whole uh, unpleasant situation and though God's creation was beautiful, it was the fall of man that really turned everything ugly. But he wanted us to always look to him. In Romans chapter 5, verse 19, the Apostle Paul writes this. 
For as one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. But also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. The example is Adam's disobedience caused all to have that sin nature. But Jesus' obedience to empty himself and to come to the cross and to die made everyone who would receive it righteous. So it's interesting, some of the uh, descriptions, and I wanted to read a couple of these that the Bible gives us about that disobedient type. And it's really three words, blinded, darkened, and alienated. Does that sound exciting? Blinded, darkened, and alienated. In fact, it's interesting when you read in Genesis chapter 3 that the very first thing that happened to Adam and Eve was that they knew that they were unclothed, right? Instantly unclothed, and yet they sewed for themselves fig leaves to cover themselves. But God was the one that eventually covered them, and he did so by having to kill what he created. That God himself had to kill what he created so that he could clothe Adam and Eve because of their disobedience. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Let me read a couple of these. It says this, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. The God of this age has blinded them who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Blinded or light. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance of that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Apostle Paul mentions that. There's kind of a series here, and we see that in 2 Corinthians, the, the blindness of the God of this age, but it changes even more. It goes into being alienated, ignorance, and blindness of the heart. And then lastly, Corinthians, or Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. I would never want to be an enemy of God. There's no win, right? There's no win. But we know because of what Jesus did, he emptied himself so that you and I could be reconciled back. I don't have to be blinded. I don't have to be darkened. I don't have to be alienated. I can be brought into his family. And I go back to that verse, Luke chapter 1, verse 32, where it says, he will be great, born in a manger. Not starting a ministry till 30. He'll be great. He'll be called the son of the most, of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. You know, I thought about that. Do I really believe that God sees everything? Do I, do I really believe that? 
that God pays attention to everything. There's a great example in the Bible, and it's the one, it's the widow with her mites in the temple. We've read that story before because it's it's mentioned in the Bible. But if you got a big picture of everything that was going on, Jesus just entered into Jerusalem, and it was Palm Sunday. He had the crowds going before him crying out Hosanna. They were cutting palm branches down. They were taking off their coats. They were laying it before him, and he's on a colt. He actually had crowds behind him saying the same thing. Jesus goes to the edge of the city. He looks at Jerusalem, and he weeps over Jerusalem because they were lost, that they had this opportunity that they're going to bypass. He now goes into the temple, which he clears out the temple again. But in the middle of the temple, you got to remember, he's thinking about this crowd that just said, Hosanna, in a few days is going to say, crucify him. And yet in the middle of all of this, he turns and he looks and he sees a woman with her mites giving an offering. And you think, in the middle of everything, Jesus sees something that none of us would ever notice, but it lets us know this. He sees everything, right? He sees everything. In fact, we know that part of that reward here on earth is when we do things that's not noticed at all. Jesus said, when you pray, don't go out here on the street corner of First and Forest and yell and spin around so that everybody sees you. Where should you go? Go into your room and go into a closet and begin to pray. And the Lord that sees all will see that you're doing it secret, reward you openly. It's a very powerful thing if we lived our life knowing that He sees all things and rewards all things because we want to honor and live for him. It changes the direction of our life. If we don't think God, yeah, he can't see what's going on at all. He sees everything. He watches everything. In fact, we know when Jesus returns, he's coming with rewards. In fact, I think sometimes the entire story of Christmas is that we're always looking Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says this. Looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. Notice that there's a word in there that says, who for the joy that was set before him. Two weeks ago, I had to go in on a Monday morning early and have a tooth, some tooth work done. When I woke up, I was thinking of every excuse to cancel that day. Anybody with me? Go to the dentist think, I don't want, I'm not looking forward to this. I'm not looking forward to suction in my throat and drinking. I don't want to do this. I don't want that big needle that goes through my entire head. How many of us, we do that? When we think of some type of physical pain, man, we cancel right away. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What was joyful about that? Oh, that I get to resurrect and be back with the Father. No, it was that opportunity of fulfilling the redemption that he would have you back if you stay faithful. In fact,
fact, let me read that uh, same verse out of the New Living, and it says this. We do this. That's what's important. How do I do this? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and he's now seated in the place of honor beside God's throne, looking unto Jesus. You know what's great about my Bible? Is I get an opportunity to read and look at Jesus. In fact, I say it this way all the time. I get an opportunity to have the Bible look inside of me. Oh. It's looking in you. It's changing things. It's causing you to be humble before him. It's causing me every day to choose him in everything. To know that I want to honor him. That he's watching everything I do. That he watches uh, how I might say something. So like uh, our dryer died this last week. We got a text from my daughter. Hey, I think the dryer is done. Why? What's it doing? Uh, it smells like it's burning. Oh, unplug it. Unplug it. Right? Don't let it burn burn down. And I thought, you know what? That's what Michelle wants for Christmas is a dryer. Right? I'm sure on a list somewhere is I'd love to have a new and so I told her, I said, I'm going to find you a dryer this way. I found one, right, on OfferUp. I got you a dryer. It's got some nicks on it, but, hey, it, you know, it, it'll dry your clothes. Well, that's sometimes not always nice because that's like poking, right? Did any of you, anybody in your family ever do that, a little poke and prod, and they do it on purpose? They do it a few times. Nobody ever does that. All of you say loving, gentle, kind words that just roll out you never have an issue with you know nobody pokes or says anything to set somebody off at all and so but i always have to remember um i'm honoring the lord in that right okay so the dryer is a second gift from heaven right that's a a gift as well too but i do this life by keeping my eyes on him i'll close with this story so i heard this uh and then i tested it out on my daughter i think she was three or four well, here's how the story went. The story goes, I said, Madison, yeah, Dad, I said, on Christmas morning, you're going to come down. We were living in La Mirada at the time. You're going to come down the stairs, and you're going to see the Christmas tree, and there's going to be presents all the way up, halfway up the Christmas tree. And except Dad's not going to be home, but all these presents are for you. She's like, where are you going to go? I don't know. This is a story, okay? I want to tell you the story. I said, she goes, okay. I said, here's the other part of the story. I said, Christmas morning, come down the stairs, you look at the Christmas tree, there's no presents for mom. Right, there's nothing. Nothing wrapped, there's no stocking, nothing. Which one are you going to choose? And she didn't even think about it. Dad, we'll ship you something. (laughs) Instantly out of her mouth, right? We'll ship you something, Dad. The example of that story was about, do I choose presents or presence? What do I choose? Do I choose the gift of presence with the S at the end, or do I choose his presence? Is that a choice that I make? It's a choice that he's with me. Bow your heads if you would with me today.
in the fullness of time. The Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of the world. He already thought about me. He already thought about you. Before we ever took our first breath, Jesus had died for us. Jesus had resurrected. Jesus sat at the right hand of the Father to purchase back that opportunity that we would receive him as Lord and that we would live this life for him. And I want to pray first, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or maybe even this Christmas season, this is a time to return back to him. He's the one knocking at the door of your heart. And yet what Jesus doesn't do, he doesn't kick the door in. In fact, he doesn't even turn the knob. He's waiting for you to open the door to him. And I'd like all of you to pray this prayer after me. In fact, pray this if you are making Jesus the Lord or returning him. Pray this with me. Ready? Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I open the door of my heart and I choose to make you Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you today, even for those that maybe prayed that or listening to this prayed that, that they've made room for you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you now begin the work in their life. I pray that those that prayed that will hunger and thirst for you. That it's not just looking unto Jesus, but it's we keep our eyes on him. Father, I pray for all of us as we enter this Christmas time of celebrating with family and friends. In fact, you know different family members that we'll be in contact with. And Lord, we start praying for them even now. We thank you that they're working on their heart. We thank you for family that we're not even able maybe to gather with this year. But you're going to do a work because your presence is everywhere. And you know specifically what's on their heart. And Lord, I even pray that as the Bible says, pray for laborers, people to come across their path. Lord, it doesn't matter what state that they might be in or wherever they are, you know how to get people across their path. But you say you do so when we pray. And Lord, we thank you that we remember that the reason we celebrate Christmas is because Jesus came to redeem you. And we bless you this day. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Well, as you go today, remember, if you didn't get our uh, family Christmas card, it's on one of the credentials in the back. Um, also make sure, pay attention, we're planning right now online Christmas Eve, online Christmas morning, but you can follow on our website uh, as well too. But stand with me if you would as we get ready to enter into this Christmas season. You've got some beautiful people sitting across from you, though they might look a little bit funny. Make sure to get a, a nice picture with them. But we bless you. Have a merry, merry Christmas if we don't see you. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Know, know that we are praying as well for you too. God bless you. Have a great Sunday and great week. God bless you.